think that's it for now. We're going to keep on trucking in about preparing ourselves for revival and seeing if our hearts are revival ready. So if you've got your Bible, turn over to Psalms 85. Psalms 85. And uh, you know, like I said, tonight we were, we're going to start our meeting that uh, we have traditionally called revival. And that's traditionally called revival. And I think the word revival, we've lost the definition of it. And I'm going to go through some definitions and some other things here in, in a moment. But I think we, we've lost what it really means to be revived. We have, we've been through, some of y'all have been through a lot more meetings than I've been through. But if you think about the revival meetings that we've been through over the years, they've, they've changed a lot. And, and just over my few short years, I remember when we was at Willowdale, I remember the revivals we had there, and, and they would go for a week or whatever, and then went in from Willowdale over to Willow Valley, and, and that became our home church. And to see the type of revivals we would have there, but then we start seeing a, kind of a decline in the revival. So the, the, it's, it's almost like, it's like we've forgotten what it is to be revived. It's a a day on the calendar, a few days on the calendar, and we forgot about what, what it truly is. You know, it's a time when it's, we set it aside where we bring in a guest speaker, a guest preacher, and, and, he, and they speak, and they get your attention, and we have singers, and they get your attention, and, and for three or four days, you're just all, uh, just all excited about the Lord. And, and I tell you, our, our Sunday school lesson this morning was, was really good. If you get a chance... To, turn, uh, to read sometime this week. Just turn over to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 12, and read that, because I believe us as a country, we're getting into that same situation that they were in. We're, we're getting hungry. We're, we're wanting, uh, and it, <clears throat> the way that, that Sunday school lesson read, that's the way I, I want to see this country, crying out for somebody to read Scripture, and for those that are crying out for the Scripture, to really hear it, because that's what that boiled down to this morning is they were hungry for the Word of God. Someone read the Word of God. Some people got together. They explained the Word of God for them, and they got filled up. And the way I read that, this, we could stand up for six hours, and I could, I could read some Scripture, and then we would let James and Jerry and Conley just walk around and explain it to you. That's, I'm just joking. Y'all don't have to do it. I think y'all would stand before, before those three and want to get up and try to explain it. But that's kind of the way that story went. But they were eager. They wanted to hear it. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that time when uh, they had came just to hear the Word of God. They were starving to death for the Word, and they wanted to hear it. We're getting, we're getting really close to it. You know, we tend these... These meetings, I was talking to Brother Bobby Hicks the other day. Bobby's been going to a couple, just bouncing around different revivals that are going on. And, and he, was, he said, I'm hungry. I've been, wanting, I've been needing this. I want to hear the, the Word of God. I want to hear it preached. And I want to feel the excitement of the preacher. I want to feel the excitement of the Holy Ghost inside of me. And we, we have all this enthusiasm, but then it just kind of goes away. We, we lose that. I don't know, we, we, we lose that joy, that love that comes with revivals. Is that, is that type of meeting really a revival? Is that really a revival? Whenever you just feel the Spirit for three or four days, and then it goes away, is that truly a revival? Just think, think about that. If you read God's Word, if you read God's Word, 
that's not, that's not going to be a revival. That's not what that is. It might be an effort at revival, but that's not true revival because true revival sticks with you. True revival, it lasts, not for a few days, but for a lifetime. I remember those revivals. I can recall revival meets that, that actually have stuck with me for life. That's what true revival really is. So let's focus our attention on that, what true revival is this morning. If you got your Bible, for just a moment, Psalms 85, stand with me. One verse. Psalms 85, one verse. Verse number six. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Let's pray. Lord God, this morning as a, we've come back to you, God, we have... As a, as a nation, as a whole, Father, we've turned our backs on you. And God, I pray this morning as we stand and we preach, Lord, as we read, as we are hungry, we're starving for the Word of God. God, I pray this, this morning that we turn back around. God, that we would look and seek your face. God, that we would get down on our face. Lord, as, as the Bible says, where they would get down on their, on their bellies and they'd weep. And they would cry out to you, Father, I pray that that's the position that we are in right now. That we're the weakest point in our lives. And God, we have seen that we need you more today than we've ever needed you in our lives. And I pray, God, that as, as we continue to prepare our hearts for what you have in store for this church and for its members, God, I pray that, that you would again reveal yourself to us. God, you would touch our hearts. You would, you would prick our, our stone-cold hearts that we have right now for the Word of God. And Lord, I pray as, as we've turned into to lukewarm and cold Christians in, in some ways, God, that what, we have, what you have in store for us would warm up our hearts. Lord, it would, it, would, it, was, it would light a fire under us, God, and it would allow us to be that, that burning light on the hill that's been missing for so long in so many communities. God, I pray this morning that you would continue just to work in our lives, work in this church, and Lord, as it was mentioned this morning, we just want to we want to lift up uh, the Burleson family there as uh, with the loss of their mom, and God for the Cook family as well as as she's struggling with her health. I pray God that you would just be with her. But Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity you've placed before us to come back and worship and to fellowship, and we love you. We praise you. All this in your son's name. We pray. Amen. You can have a seat. So. There's several things that we've talked about over the past month or so about revival. And one of the things I, I love to talk about with people is revival. What is revival? I remember, and you'll think this is funny because of where it was at, but when I worked at Samaritan's Purse, there were several people that, that worked there that had no clue what revival was because it's not something that takes place as much anymore. Um, one of the churches back home, Right now, their pastor does not do revivals. He says it's a waste of time. He refuses to do it. And this is Baptist church. He will not do revival. He does not want to hold a revival meeting. He said it just doesn't feel like that, that anything ever takes place, anything ever happens there. Well, he doesn't know what he's missing, and I'm pretty sure he's hurting the church by doing that. While preparing for, uh, for this meeting that we'll have eventually, I've done a lot of studying this, this past month or so, and I've tried to find... I love to, just to read little short articles. Lord knows I don't want to read a book, but I'll, I'll read a little short article every now and then. 
and, and do a little bit of study. And I, and I ran across some articles from some preachers that, that I thought were pretty good. And they, it was the, kind of their definition of revival. One of the, the, the preachers, Charles Finney, said, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Vance Havner said, Revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. That's probably one of my favorite ones of these that I've read. Revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. Um, Stephen Olford said, Revival is not some emotion or worked-up excitement. It is rather an invasion from heaven which brings to man a conscious awareness of God. Don Robinson said, Revival is a renewal of spiritual life in an individual or among a group of people. Robert Coleman said, Revival is the sovereign work of God in which he visits his own people, restoring and releasing them into the fullness of his blessing. Uh, one of my commentaries said, Revival is a return to spiritual health after a period of decline into sin and broken fellowship with God. Revival is for God's people when they need to be forgiven and restored to life, spiritual health, and vitality. And the last one is from Jay Watts, not J.J. Watts or T.J. Watts, but just Jay Watts. God sh- some of y'all will get that. I know James will get it. God shows up revealing our sin to us, convicting of sin, calling us to confession and repentance, leading us to a response in which He cleans or lives, correct our thinking, writes our relationship, and changes our hearts. Again, that's Jay Watts. So there's different definitions for revival that we can look at, but the one thing they all have in common is it has to do with God's people. It has to do with God's people. And I want, gosh, I don't know if I can find this or not. This came from this morning. But the, the, the writer wrote this. Boy, I hope I can find that real fast. I should have marked it. Right here. I did find it. So the Israelites were desperate to hear God's word again, and they were very intentional in putting themselves in a position to listen to it. That was, that's from the writer. They were intentional about hearing the word of God. Now, I can say that about revival. That's great. And I hope that that's the way we are as a church. We are intentional. We want to hear the word of God. But what about the other Sundays? What about the other days that we are together? As a church, as a Christian, are we eager? Are we intentional about hearing the Word of God? Do we really want to hear it? Is that something that when we get up on Sunday mornings and we roll out of bed and drink our coffee and, and we sit and just kind of just kind of prepare ourselves, are we preparing ourselves to intentionally come to church to hear the Word of God? Or is it just tradition? Are we going because it's Sunday and we have to go? Make it intentional. When you come to church, make it intentional not to hear me. Lord knows you don't want to hear me, but to hear the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, the, the message that the Lord has laid out here. Whoever presents that message, be ready to hear that message from God because it is coming from Him. Be intentional about it. Now, do you ever wonder what the biblical definition is? In the verse we just read here, they use the word revive, and, and, and it means to give us life. To give us, that's what revive means, is to give us life. And we, we, we hear revive, but we don't hear revive in, in the, the biblical sense anymore. When we talk about revive, we talk about revive in a medical sense because that's what happens when someone is unconscious or their heart stops is they have to be revived, whether we do it through CPR or we use a defibrillator. Uh, I actually about grabbed the defibrillator and brought it out here a while ago just 
to remind y'all that we do have it and that we're never going to need it, okay? So it's here. But when we talk about the word revive, it's, it's in a medical sense, not a spiritual sense. Well, we can take that and flip it around, and it is a spiritual sense too because we need revived when we're spiritually dead. When there's nothing going on inside of our hearts, when there's no conviction, we feel nothing from the Word of God, we feel nothing uh, from the Holy Spirit, we have become spiritually dead in ourselves, we need to be revived, we need to be brought back to life. We need that, that I don't know if I ever preached it here or not, but I, I remember doing the devotion at Samaritan's Person one time on the AVPU scale, AVPU, alert, verbal, painful, and unconscious. That's the scale for a Christian, it's the scale that we used in EMS, alert, verbal, painful, and unconscious, but we could use that in our churches nowadays. Are you alert to the Word of God? Does the verb, is there verbal stimulation? When there's, in other words, whenever there's preaching going on, does it stir you? Painful, the P in, in the AFPU scale. P, is it painful? Does it hurt? Does the preacher step on your toes? Does the Word of God, does it make you hurt when you leave here? And that's called conviction. Then you have the U, and that's unconscious. Nothing that's said or done behind the pulpit or inside the church does anything for you. You are spiritually dead. Where do you fall on that scale? Alert, verbal, painful, unconscious. We need to be renewed. We need to be revived. That's what the revival will do for us. But not, not just revival. The Word of God itself will revive you. It doesn't have to be on a Monday or a Tuesday night. It could be a Sunday morning or a Wednesday morning or it could be a Friday afternoon. It doesn't matter. The Word of God will revive you, but you've got to crack that thing open. You've got to be reading it. You've got to be studying it. You've got to let it work inside of you. To revive someone medically means you bring them back to life. To revive somebody spiritually means you bring them back to God. That's what we need in our revivals. That's what we need in our hearts. That's what this world needs. It's what this country needs. It's what all these churches around us need right now is to be revived, to be touched, to have a spirit-filled worship service where nothing but God is preached. The main thing becomes the main thing once again, and we preach the Word of God, and we're touched. We feel a touch of the Holy Spirit. We feel a touch. We feel, as we said the past couple of weeks, we have an outpour. The windows of heaven have opened up, and it's just the Holy Spirit's just raining down on top of us. We need that in this church, but we need this in the other churches. We need this in Avery County. We need this right now in our country. This country needs revival. I've said it, and I will continue to say it till either the rapture hits or the Lord calls me home. I believe that there is one more great awakening that's going to take place in this country before the Lord comes back because we've had six, and I believe he'll come back on the seventh. That's just what I think. We need one more great awakening, one more great revival to take place. Sin causes us death, and we are sinners, and we need to be reminded of that. We need to remind, remember what sin does to us and how we were born into sin and what it what it can do to us I, I i was leading into that i want to get into ephesians 2 4 real quick but god ephesians 2 4 but god i love that but god those two simple words right there but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ by grace are you saved this, this is salvation. This is God taking a person who is hopeless and helpless for all eternity. And then what does he do? The verse is telling us it's reviving us through transformation. 
That's what he does to us is he revives us. We are sin sick, bound for hell. We feel like we have no hope, but then he revives us. He's like the great paramedic. He comes in and he just shocks us. He gives us that jolt that we need to bring us back around. I was trying to think of what it is that they keep doing. What do they keep doing to you, Carolyn? Were they not? Yeah, it's like a. It's like the Lord comes in with the heart ablation. He just comes in and he shocks you, and 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 you get restarted. You get your heart gets restarted. Your heart gets set back on fire for Him. Your heart starts working. That's what He wants from us. He wants our hearts to start working for Him. He wants our bodies to start working for Him. He wants our tongues to start working for Him. He wants us to be active for Him. But if you're dead, you're not active, are you? How many times have you ever been to a funeral home and seen somebody laying in a casket that was active? They're not. They're not. Don't be that person. Be the active person. Be the one that's spiritually active for God. Let Him revive us. Let Him move us. Let Him set us on fire again. Second thing, when is revival needed? And we've touched on this again for the past few weeks, but when is it needed? Keith said it this morning. It's for me. It's for me. Not just Chad, but every one of us can sit here this morning and say, it's for me. I need it. I personally need to be revived. When we've been wounded to the point of falling away from God, that's when we need to hear our voice. I think every one of us can sit here, stand here this morning and say, we've all been hurt. We're all hurting inside. We all have something going on inside of us that has caused us to, to cry out to God. And say, I need you, Lord. I need you right now. I need you more now than I've ever needed you. Lord, I need help. I need a touch from you right now. Lord, it's, I just need you. It's for me. Now, there's three times that revival is really needed in our lives. And one of them is revival is needed when you have corrupted standards. Now, this one, this is a little deep. It's really deep. But this one can go back as deep as you want it to go. It can affect a church. It can affect a home. It can, infect, it can affect us individually. But when our standards get corrupted, we need revival. So when is it corrupted? There's a preacher said this. He said, We have adopted the convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas, first and foremost, it is a book to be believed and obeyed. There is a vast difference in... I love this. There's a vast difference in knowing the Word of God and knowing the God of the Word. There's a big old difference in knowing the Word of God and the God of the Word. Revival helps us know the God of the Word. There ain't a one of us today can sit here and say that this is not the inspired Word of God. We know that. He inspired every individual that pinned down these verses. He inspired it. So this is the inspired Word of God. But do we know the God that inspired it? That's a big difference. We need that. We need to know who it is. We need to understand who He is to the best of our, our knowledge. Think about the standards of the, the Word of God. The standards of God's Word. He says, be holy as I am holy. That's what He's telling us. 
He's telling us that we need to love and to edify. And he said we need to pray for one another because that's what he does. He loves us. We need to love one another. The Bible tells us to love, to edify, to pray for each other. And through being revived, it, it reminds us of that. It brings back to memory the things that the Bible has told us, that the Word of God has told us that we need to do for one another. When we lower God's standard of holiness by saying, no one is perfect, we play into the, to the hands of the enemy. We, that's, what we, that's the kind of attitude we have anymore. Ah, no one's perfect. So-and-so done this. Ah, nobody's perfect. That's not, the, that's not the attitude that we need to have. We need to pray for them. We need to love on them. And as the Bible says, to edify them. God's standard of holiness, the Bible says, is complete. So when we let that go, when we dismiss His holiness, then love goes out and gossip comes in. When we get callous towards the Word of God, we, we just kind of open the door and we let love go out. And then we, we turn around and we let gossip and we let all these sins in our lives come on in in the house. Just think about it, that, that weird time of year in the spring and in the, in the fall when you don't know whether to run your air conditioner or your heat. And so you run your heat for a little while in the mornings and then it heats up outside and you just open up the windows or you open up the door. Well, when you open up the door, you're letting the hot air out and you're letting all the bugs back in. And that's what happens when we get calloused towards the Word of God. When we let, or we dismiss His holiness, we let the love out and the sin in. Building up one another and praying for one another, it's just gone. And that's what He's asking us to do. Revival is needed when there are, uh, are compromised beliefs. Now, this one right here is where we are as a, as a society right now. We tend to compromise. And I was reading the other day, and y'all may be catching this too, about the Methodist Church, the split of the Methodist Church here recently. That's a, that's a pretty interesting read if you ever get an opportunity. So there's a very conservative group of Methodists that have split away from the United Methodist, Methodist Church. And it's a, it's, it's a good thing because they don't believe. They Again, they line up just like we line up. They believe what we believe, and they're not willing to compromise with the United Methodist. So good for them. Good for them for standing up. But we need that revival when we start compromising what we believe. There, there's some things the Bible doesn't directly tell us, and, and, but we have to depend on the Holy Spirit to, to lead us and, and for that conviction to take place. In those cases, we have to lean heavily on the Holy Spirit. There's some things, and it might not define it specifically, but in the Bible, if we read it, we'll get led to, to what is right and what is wrong. But people tend to, to compromise that. We tend to justify that, uh, what God has commanded us. And when we compromise God's Word, then we know that we need revival. When we have compromised and we've let things into our church, when we compromise let things into our homes, when we've compromised the Word of God and we've let things into our schools, and we compromise and we let things in uh, that are of, not of, this, of the Word of God and things that are of the world, and we let that into to our, our government and to all these other places in our lives, then we know for a fact that we need to be revived. When we allow the world to swoop in and take out everything that we've ever believed in the Word of God, then we know for a fact that we need to be revived. We know for a fact because there is no conviction. We know for a fact that the world has taken reins in our lives, and there's, there's nothing there. We need to be revived. We need to be brought back to life. Revival is needed when we have a complacent attitude as well. 
And this is shown a lot of times in the attitude of so what. We have that kind of attitude. It's just whatever, so what. When we're trying to do something for the Lord, but we say just let somebody else do it. You ever, you ever said that? Don't answer that. Not I'm not calling out this church. Or not, I'm just saying in churches in general, something's got to be done. Let somebody else do it. We need this done. So-and-so can take care of it. They do it all the time. That's the kind of attitude we have. We get complacent. Let so-and-so do it. I'm not going to do it. What about when folks don't have a, a home church or they don't have a church family or, or they don't have a, a home in heaven? Just let the preacher do it. Just let the preacher do it. That's me. I'm not, it's not just about me. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, I'll take you. I don't mind. But we, we tend to get complacent in saying that somebody else needs to do it. We get complacent saying it's the deacon's job or it's the trustee's job or it's the preacher's job. Folks, if you're saved by God's good grace, it is your responsibility to get out. Those people don't have a church home. It's your responsibility to help bring them to church. Those folks that don't have a heavenly home, as a Christian, it is your responsibility to witness to them. Don't just put that off on the preacher. Don't just put that off on the deacons. That is our responsibility, not just whoever. It is all of us. We're all that whoever. And we can't have this I don't care attitude anymore. We have, again, we're complacent, but we have this attitude like it's just church. It's just church. I don't care anymore. It's getting old. I'm getting burnt out. I'm getting tired of it. I just don't care. You better be caring. You better care deeply about what's taking place inside our churches, inside our homes. Care, you better be caring a lot. These are all signs that we have become lukewarm in the eyes of God. We have, that's not where we need to be. As a Christian, we cannot be lukewarm. As a Christian, we are to be on fire. As a Christian, we are not to be cold and calloused. We are to be on fire. And so whenever we get ready, whenever we get it, yep, I knew that's coming. Here, take your brother. Whenever we get the date set and we're ready to, to, to take off and, and, and do this revival, we need to be on fire. We need to have a passion to tell the community what's going on. We've got to have a passion and a desire for the lost community, for those folks that may be struggling. We need to have a desire to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you at church and maybe whatever's being said and done, maybe it would be a help to you. But we need to be able to get out and, and get away from this lukewarm attitude that we have, this cold heart that we might have, and, and, and help somebody. A third thing about revival is how it begins. How does revival begin? It, it's, it's like salvation. It begins with God. It begins with Him. It, it, it doesn't begin with a date. It doesn't begin with what's convenient. It begins with God, just praying to God, just asking God what He needs, what, or what He needs from us, what He wants to happen in our churches. And then it takes praying to God that He would send the right man, and it would, he would send it in the right timing. But it takes God, just like salvation, it begins with God. He's already and willing to do it. We just got to ask him for help. 
Too many Christians are, are so self-righteous that it keeps us from admitting our need to hear God's Word. We don't, we don't want to hear it. We're, we're okay. I'm good with it. That's, that's the attitude we have. I, I'm good with what we have. I'm good with Sundays. I'm, I'm all right with that. I don't think we need anything else throughout the week. I'm just good. I'm, I'm all right. But here, if you go back in, in the New Testament and you look at, at John the Baptist, God sent John the Baptist with a call that pricked the hearts of the hearers. That's what we've got to be praying for. We've got to be praying that God would send messages, a messenger messages through the preacher that would prick the hearts of the hearers, which is those that are here. That's my prayer, is that whether you're saved or unsaved, you're here and the message pricks your heart. It touches your heart. It moves you in a, in a, in a way that you've never been moved before. Hear the call from God's Word. God spoke to, to King Solomon. It's another one over in the Old Testament. King Solomon, around the time of the, uh, the dedication of the temple, he gave the responsibility. Now, I want you to listen to this. He gave the responsibility for revival, renewal, and restoration to his people. To his people. He's given you that responsibility as well. The same responsibility, revival, renewal, and restoration, he gave that to his people you're his people. He's given you that responsibility. He wants you to take, to take it, not take control, but to take it. He's given you a responsibility to tell the world, to tell those that are around you what's going to take place. Revival does not begin away from God's people. It starts with his own people. I guarantee you, right now, if you just go down to Appalachian State, that you're not going to hear of a revival needing to take place on campus. You're not. That's the most ungodly place besides Asheville that I know of right now. I believe if there was another Sodom and Gomorrah, it'd be Boone and Asheville. And I'd be all right with him striking them down. God doesn't call for revival. He doesn't see that revival in ungodly places and ungodly people. He uses his people to start that revival. That's here. That's you. That's this church. That's you guys. You're his people. And so he's going to use us to start that. Peter said it's time for judgment to begin at the house of God. That sounds pretty harsh, don't it? It's time for judgment to start at the house of God. Do you know what he's saying right there? He's saying we need revival. It's time for some conviction. It's time for a couple stepped on toes. It's time. That's all he's saying. It's time. Years ago, parents would tell their teens, and y'all probably heard this, remember your name? Do you ever remember your parents or anybody telling you that, remember your name? Whenever you'd leave and you'd go out and you'd get in your license and you'd go to meet with your friends, did anybody ever tell you remember your name? And what that's telling you right there is protect your reputation. Remember your name. I remember my dad telling me that. Remember your name. And I will always hang on to that. He said, protect your reputation. Well, I wonder if God were to stand in our presence today, would he be proud of the way that we have represented his name? Would he be proud of Chestnutdale? Would he be proud of you individually, of how you've represented his name? Not 
not Christian. I'm not saying the word Christian. I'm saying God's name. Would he be proud of you right now for how you've represented, how you've shown yourself to others, and how you've been a reflection of God in your life? We read this over in Second Chronicles, but where it says, my people, would my people be a phrase he would proudly use? If God was to stand right here at, behind this pulpit right now, would he look across here, and would he look down the road, and would he look up the road, and would he say, these are my people? Are these my people? Or could he stand up here and say, these are my people? These are my people. That's what I like to hear. These are my people. That When I went to Israel a couple years ago, and I went with, uh, I can't remember the name of the group I went with, but, but it tickled me to death to be able to stand out there with them and say, these are my people. I worship like these. I, I'm proud to be one of these. We're going to do it again, ain't we? <laughs> We're going to put you on a leash. <laughs> my people. Are these my people? Fourth thing, last thing. What does, what does revival mean? What, what does it mean? Now, again, some people say revival just means three or four days set aside for a preacher. Three or four days set aside for some singing. Three or four days set aside where I'm going to have to DVR my favorite show. That's what some people think revival is. Second Chronicles, if you look at the tail end of it, it says, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Listen to that. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You look like you're to be on Little House on the Prairie. The last part, it gives us this. There's three things right here, and then I'm, I'm going to end. That last part says, he hears. Then will I hear from heaven. So he comes. He comes to us. He says, he says, I will hear from my people. I will hear. As we've prayed, have, has he heard the prayers? As we've prayed as individually, and I hope that that's the way that y'all have been doing this at home, as you have been praying at home for a movement, for, for revitalization, for rejuvenation, for a revival. I hope you've been praying for it. But has he heard you? Is he hearing you? One of, I don't know which preacher it was, I didn't write it down here, but he said, sin is in the ears of God what cotton is to the ears of man. To hear is to respond. That is, why, that is the way of the Father. I can't imagine God hearing and not responding. Now, it might not be, he might not respond the way that we want him to, but I can't imagine God not responding. Lord, give us this. Okay, but I'm going to do it this way. Lord, we need this. Okay, but you need it done this way. That's, that's the way he does it. Might not be what we want, but it's what we need. Now, second thing here, in that he says, Then will I hear from heaven, and then he says, And will forgive their sin. So that means he cleans us up. He cleans us. 
and I, I forgot to mark my Bible, but I'm going to read this real quick. Over in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and this is the part, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to cleanse us, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will wipe the slate clean. He will wipe it clean. Think about those dry erase boards or those chalk boards that we use in school. And you could write your name up there. You could write anything on those boards. And then you come through with an eraser and you would wipe it clean. So wiping the slate, that's what a slate chalkboard. You could wipe it clean. And it's not there anymore. That's what he does is he wipes it clean. And he wants us to be revived. And, he, and he's the reviver. He said, I want to wipe it clean. I want you to have a clean slate, and we're going to start with revival, and we're going to get you built up, and we're going to get you excited again, and we're going to get you where you need to be, where you used to be whenever you was first saved. He said, we're going to start all over, and we're going to give you something great to work with, a clean slate to start all over with. And in the last part of that verse, he says, Then will I hear from heaven, will give their, uh, forgive their sin, now listen to this, and will heal their land. So he cures. So he comes, he cleans, and he cures. He helps us out. He heals. If God revives the heart of his people, then his purpose in salvation and growth is met, resulting in what the Bible says right here, the land being healed. If we meet, if we have a meet, and we get together, his people get together, and we pray, and we worship, and we fellowship, his people are getting together, and then the land will be healed. This land is broken. The churches are broken. Hearts are broken. Homes are broken. But if we as his people get together and we worship, then he says that he will heal their land. That's what we need is a healing. We need a touch from God to heal our hearts and to heal this land. God's way, I think we can all agree, is the best way. His plan is best and he makes us when we call upon him and we pray he makes us revival ready but we have to call upon him call upon his name to be ready for what he has in store and we we i don't know if we can be completely uh, prepared for it but we need to be ready for whatever he pours out for us to take be ready for a great thing to take place and i know we're not going to we're not going to be starting tonight as planned and again, whenever we get it set, of course, I'll let y'all know. But I do want to pray again this evening for Brother Jason. I want to pray for his church, his health, his family's health. But we're going we're gonna to come back up here this evening at the altar, and we're going to pray again for whatever God has in store for this church and for his people. So if you, wanna, if you will, make your way up here. Just a moment. I'm not, when you come up here, I'm not holding you like I was holding Clayton. You're just going to have to come up here on your own.
Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, this evening, God, we just want to come to you once again on behalf of the hearts that are here, the church, the individuals in this community, Lord, those that are lost, even those that have that salvation in their heart. God, we still want to come to you on their behalf because, Lord, the time that we're living in right now, we're hurting, we're struggling. Lord, we need you right now. We need a healing from you. We need a touch from you and that, that, that pouring out of the Holy Spirit that we've talked about. God, we need that. Those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, Lord, we need a touch from you right now. Lord, we need some encouragement from the Word of God. Lord, we need some encouragement from our brothers and our sisters right now. Lord, we need you in a way right now that we haven't needed you in a long, long time. And Lord, I pray that this, today as this altar is, is, is filled up, God, I pray that it's full of your people. But Lord, I pray that it's full of broken people as well. Lord, we need to be put back together. We need a touch from you, Lord, that would put us back together. And use us, Lord, again, as the word said, as a, as a clean slate. Lord, clean us up and prepare our hearts to go back out into this world and, and be rejuvenated to a way, Lord, that we can reach the lost, Lord, where we can touch those that are, are struggling and hurting as well, those that are bound for hell. God, I pray that you would give us an unction, God, to reach out to them. Lord, I pray for a drawing of the Holy Spirit from this church into this community, Lord, where we can reach out to a lost and dying world. And God, I want to lift up Brother Jason to you this morning as he struggles, Lord, with the flu. And Lord, I'm not sure who he got to fill in for him today, but God, I pray that you would just uh, bless that little church today, Lord, and the one that filled in. But God, we just ask for a touch, a healing touch upon him and his wife as well. God, I pray that you would just wipe away the flu and wipe away that, that uh, COVID. And God, I pray that you would touch their lungs and their hearts as well. And God, I pray today that you would get him back on his feet speedily. And God, I pray as we prepare, continue to pre prepare our hearts. Lord, you've given us another week or two to get ready for something great to take place. Thank you for calling him. Lord, I thank you for calling him into the ministry. Thank you for calling him into my life, Lord, as a brother, as a friend. And I pray, God, that you would, again, just continue to grow Mount Lebanon, touch that hurting church in a way, God, that they haven't felt in a long, long time. But, Lord, I pray that you would touch this church as well. God, I pray that you would touch the people here. God I, God, I pray that you would touch this church, those that are around us as well, and those that are hurting that are around us. God, I pray that you would uh, open up those doors to bring them in, to hear your word and for them to feel the love that we can bestow upon them. But I pray that they would feel the love that you can offer them. Lord, Lord I pray this again this morning for a great touch on this church and this community. And I thank you again for this opportunity to pray with your people at your altar in your church. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You're dismissed. And like I said, as soon as we get a, a date, we'll let you know. Well, I guess I'll see you Wednesday night if nothing else.